Bob Bamber and welcome to the Wrestling 20 Years Ago podcast. We're going back in the time machine to January of 1996 for Volume 3 of this month's show. Volume 1 is your WWF show looking at the Royal Rumble. Volume 2 is your WCW show looking at the Clash of the Champions along with Randy Savage winning the WCW World Heavyweight Championship. We're here for Volume 3 for ECW. I'm being joined by Chris White. Chris, good evening. Hi, Bob. How you doing? Uh, very well. And Kieran Mitchell. Evening, Bob. Uh, Kieran kicks off with the news. Right, Raven is the new ECW heavyweight champion, defeating Sandman after the usual litany of interference in the main event of ECW's final show in January. After an angle that we will deal, we will detail later, Raven was accompanied to the match by his new valet, Kimona Iwanle. Have another go, mate, go on. (laughs) After an angle that we will detail later, Raven was accompanied to the match by his new valet, Kimona Iwana, is it Iwana? It does my head in. I want a layer. I want, I want a, I want a layer. The whole. Oh, as in, I want to layer. Yeah, that's the joke. We may not leave this bit in now. That's the joke. Uh. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> what? Why do you think I said like emphasize that point? Anyway, start again. <laughs> my dad's so proud. After an angle that we will detail later, Raven was accompanied to the match by his new valet, Kimona Iwanalea, and won after interference from Stevie Richards, the Blue Meanie, Tommy Dreamer and Cactus Jack. The angle played out in the backdrop of the likely departure of Woman from the promotion. Woman appeared on WCW television multiple times this month in main event spots, though at the time of recording her future within ECW is still unclear. Shane Douglas made his return to ECW this month, originally coming out during an angle that involved him saying he would teach Bubba Ray Dudley how to speak English properly. Douglas also inserted himself into the programme between Cactus Jack and Tommy Dreamer, siding with Dreamer in a losing effort to win the tag team titles. He also took a role behind the scenes at the tapings, taking a leading position in the dressing room and helping organise the interview schedules. Well, it's believed he certainly helped. The interview still ran until gone 6am. The Public Enemy worked their final ECW show before leaving for WCW, defeating the gangsters in the main event of House Party 96. Cactus Jack's debut in the WWF is seen as a when rather than if situation. During the tag match, he wore a shirt with WWF and F on the front and joined the new generation on the back. 
911 will likely be leaving the company after a falling out with Paul Heyman led to him being given his notice. He was featured heavily throughout this month but wanted a bigger role more generally and wasn't happy about it being asked to job to Taz. He will likely job to Sabu on his way out. Tapings that aired at the beginning of the month from Queens, New York were deemed a huge success with hundreds of fans being turned away. Official figures suggest over 100 more than the 1,200 person capacity attended the show and it officially... It grossed nearly $30,000 in ticket sales. Amongst the highlights from the show was the reappearance of Missy Hyatt, who kissed Stevie Richards, and a brawl of a main event between Tommy Dreamer and Raven. It's said that ECW are looking at a significantly bigger venue in Manhattan the next time they tour. Sabu got as far as being announced as a Royal Rumble participant on the WWF hotline, but didn't end up working the show. It's understood that Paul Heyman wants to save Sabu for the main event of the promotion's first pay-per-view event, which reports say could be a matter of months away. The WWF wanted Sabu to come in for a one-shot deal before eliminating himself by flying over the top rope and through a table. However, the perception is Heyman strong-armed him into not doing it, even attempting to present any appearance as a defection from ECW's fan base. Terry Taylor made a number of comments about ECW on his WCW hotline segment, one of which caused Paul Heyman to consult with his lawyers. Taylor generally ran down the promotion, asking what kind of message was being sent out with the barbed wire baseball bats and canes being used. But the line that drew the most controversy was calling Sandman a drunk drug addict, which ECW took exception to, as at best Sandman is only really portrayed as a beer drinker on TV. Right, uh, yeah, straight into uh, TV for the month. Uh, we've got two, basically we're going to review House Party like we do some ECW uh, live events. Uh, we've got technically only one TV show aired before ECW House Party, but because the second aired so soon after, none of the footage from that show uh, from House Party aired on the second issue edition of Hardcore TV for the year. Um, so we're going to review the first two Hardcore TVs and then effectively jump back in time a little bit to review uh, House Party. But we'll start on January the 2nd in New York City. City. Missy Hyatt is in the crowd. We get a montage of events from the show, including a slow-mo of Sabu driving Cactus Jack through a table, Tommy Dreamer laying waste to Raven and the Sandman before Pile driving Beulah McGillicutty. Raven DDT's Richard after getting hairspray in his eyes. We're going to review that match a little bit later on. Uh, Cactus Jack DDT's Sandman allowing Raven to pin him before kicking out. Steve Richards and the Blue Mini interrupt Joey Styles' opening. Fans chant, you fat fuck, you fat fuck at Meanie. Richardson starts calling some people in the front row transsexual. They find Missy Hyatt in the crowd. Hyatt calls Richards a clueless putz. Hyatt takes her jacket off, then inexplicably starts kissing Richards before saying, You give that to Raven. Richards is giddy with excitement. Two Cold Scorpio is in the ring with all of the title belts. He's facing Mikey Whitwreck with both the TV and tag titles on the line. Scorpio hits a lovely scissors kick. They call what presumably was a botch at one stage with a horrible jump cut to Missy Hyatt in the crowd. Scorpio busts out a tombstone pile driver, then hits a lovely moonsault before pulling out a pin. He then hits a powerbomb, a moonsault leg drop, which looks uh, looks amazing and quite painful for Scorpio, as he almost looked like he did the splits on landing. Scorpio laid out Mikey with a super kick, then spat in his face. Despite the barrage of punishment, Mikey does manage to get around to doing a franking Mikey. Scorpio ends up splashing the ref after Mikey rolls it off of him. Scorpio hits a twister splash on the top, then a backbreaker, then a powerbomb. 
Eventually, Cactus Jack comes out and levels Scorpio with a DVT, revives the ref, and Mikey pins Scorpio to win the TV and tag team titles. Mikey comes around, not happy with what happened, and offers Scorpio the belts back. Cactus attacks Scorpio and stands tall with the belts. According to Styles, after Mikey had, quote-unquote, no choice but to have Cactus as his partner in the tag title scene. We're going to discuss a little bit of that, actually, when we get to House Party, given that they have a match there, too. Uh, we get a long tribute video to the public enemy ahead of their departure. They departed at house party, not in this match that I'm about to mention. Uh, there in the main event, they get a large please don't go chat from the crowd. It's the gangsters in this match. The match gets bloody very quickly. Rock does a moonsault to Mustafa. Rock overshoots and the table falls over rather than breaks. That also happens on, uh, on, on uh, Nitro as well. No, also happens at Clash of the Champions. Sorry, we'll review that in part two. Uh, the gangsters get a quick victory via roll-up. Rocker Rock calls this the last dance. We end the show with Cactus Jack presenting Raven with the tag and TV titles. Raven calls Mikey worthless. Mikey dismisses it. Raven pushes Jack around. Jack is being all slapstick. And we end the show with the pair staring off. We move on to January 9th. We start with a video package chronicling the Raven and Dreamer feud from last year. Based off of the presentation, this show was in the can before they could edit in anything from House Party. We're still in New York. We open up with Taz and with Bill Alfonso against Koji Nakagawa. Taz pulls off another hideously brutal German suplex, a similarly painful slide half Nelson, and the half Nelson choke, which Joey Styles is calling the Taz mission for the win. The show, they show brief clips of a match between the Eliminators and the Pitbulls. Pitbulls get the Super Bowl on one of the Eliminators, but post-match Eliminators get their revenge with the total elimination finish. Bruiser Mastino is up next against El Puerto Ricano. You may remember Mastino briefly from his WWF run as Mantor. Coincidentally, in an apropos of absolutely nothing, Isaac Yankum DDS wrestled in WCW under the name Bruiser Mastino in 1993. Ricano keeps trying to topple the giant, who ends up catching him in a crossbody and slams into the mat for the win. After a prolonged post-match attack, 911 comes out and stands toe-to-toe, nose-to-nose with Mastino. 911 gets Mastino up for quite a decent choke slap. Out comes Bill Alfonso, followed by Todd Gordon, followed by Taz. Taz holds up Alfonso for a free shot. 911 blocks it. Taz squares up to 911. 911 choke slams Mastino again. Taz and 911 square off before the ECW locker room come out and pull them apart. The ring eventually clears for the Blue Mini, uh, Stevie Richards, Sign Guy Dudley, and Dance with Dudley seem to preempt a dance off. Sign Guy Dudley holds up a sign saying Dance Bubba Dance and Dudley 316. Richard squares up to Bubba. The crowd chant What's Your Name? Bubba has a shit-eating grin on him. And we're back for the main event of Raven against Tommy Dreamer. Richard says that Raven won't be able to wrestle tonight after apparently breaking his leg the night before. The crowd called bullshit on that. Richard says he'll have to face the blue meanie instead. Dreamer tells him to shut the fuck up and get Raven out here. Meanie ends up attacking Dreamer for an inadvertent match, which Dreamer pins him for the DDT. Richards then attacks Dreamer, who DDTs him and pins him as well. Dreamer then gets Bueller in a pile driver position. Raven runs out, absolutely fine, throws a set of shells at Dreamer before the match can start. Raven lays Dreamer on a table outside, does a Sabu-ish star running flying shoulder tackle, sending Dreamer through the table. Raven appears to have Dreamer sparked out until Dreamer goes absolutely mad, hitting a total of six DDTs, three on Raven, three on Richards. Dreamer then wraps a chair over Raven's head, takes a chunk of Raven's forehead off with a cheese grater before eating it. The brawler actually ends up in the street. It's been snowing in New York. They quickly return inside. Back in the ring, Dreamer low blows Raven before charging at Raven, who ducks. Dreamer then wipes out referee John Finnegan. Bueller goes to spray Dreamer with hairspray. 
Dream of Ducks, Raven takes it in the eyes. Richards gets in the ring, Raven ends up DDTing him. Dreamer then DDTs Raven, who somehow kicks out. Dreamer then does a reverse 10 punch, reverse in the sense that Raven is hanging up the wrong way, and Dreamer isn't punching his face, but he's bollocks. Dreamer then power drives Raven onto a piece of table, Raven still kicks out. Dreamer charges at Raven with a chair, who ends up hitting the ref after Raven puts him in harm's way. Richards nails Dreamer with a super kick, but the referee's down. Blue Meanie goes to the top rope. Meanie needs a bit of help getting up there. He misses a moonsault. Dreamer deals with Richards, but Raven DDT's Dreamer onto the chair and gets the three count. Kieran, what do you think of this match? Um, it's not the best thing they've done. It... I sometimes think that maybe this feud has been dragged on a bit too much, Bob. I don't know what you th- I don't know what everyone's thought is about that, but they seem to be going round in circles a lot until obviously we'll see what happens further on towards the end of the month but again i just there's just not enough um of the w there's too much of the e in some of the stuff and like i said the, the cheese grater and that it's all very well you know sort of weapons being brought in like that and everything but it was okay it was okay but it just seemed like a standard tommy dreamer raven ecw brawl and i think they can do a lot better if i'm honest yeah i know what you mean in the sense that this feud has been evolving, but it, it, we are getting to the point now where it doesn't feel like it's going anywhere. Mm. Um, and yeah, they, they, you know, they, they don't do that many live events, and you've got to fill TV with something. But I kind of feel like this would be the kind of match that's best left off of television. It, and, and Raven and Dreamer is the kind of match that you can tour, but you don't want to put on TV all that frequently. No, um, you want to, you want to say, you want to like build it through like they probably have been doing before, where they build it off TV, so a bit of word of mouth, and everyone sort of gets wind of it. And then you have sort of... I mean, they don't have to have, like, the one bluff. Like I said, the two guys obviously got a lot of chemistry, and they can obviously get the best out of each other, but just don't have them wrestling, or quote-unquote wrestling, don't have them fighting every single week. Just sort of have, I don't know, have some run-ins or whatever, but just don't have them fighting every single week, is my point, I think. Uh, Chris, your first exposure to ECW. Um, thoughts on this match and thoughts on the first two weeks of TV? I mean, yeah, as you say, it's my first uh, exposure to ECW. I enjoyed both episodes of Hardcore TV, um, particularly this match. I suppose a large part of that is because I'm fresh eyes to this feud. It's the first Tommy Dreamer versus Raven match I've ever seen. And I have to say, I really enjoyed it. But I can see from the little recap they did at the start of the show with how they uh, went through the entire feud dating back to around April, I think, was the first time they uh, made reference to it. And I can see if this is, what, n- well, uh, like fr- two, two, eight months, nine months after the beginning of the feud and we're at this stage, I can see why that may be underwhelming for you guys who followed it since the beginning. Uh, but for me, with someone who was new to it, I really enjoyed this match. I enjoyed the level of intensity between the two guys. And as someone who's, this was my first exposure to ECW, a lot of the extreme elements uh, probably had more of an impact on me than they would do either of you two who have been watching it throughout. So I have to say I was a bit positive about this one. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I, I think, you know, we, we have to, as I say, to a point we have to bear in mind that, you know, ECW are a small promotion. They are trying to put together TV and sometimes, you know, you want a decent hook for a show and you just put out a, a notable feud. I, I don't think they want to be doing Raven and Dreamer very often on television, but we have to frame this in the context of a live event 
it, their first run in New York, um, a, a crowd that seems to be into a lot of things from, from, from the two TV shows we saw, and this was their big match, and it was it was the main event. I presume it was the last the last match on the card, um, and yeah, like I, again, it, it's not to be critical of what they presented, although I. I think we we may have a discussion towards the end of the show whether ECW are really overdoing these convoluted, not even finishes, just these convoluted like last quarters of matches, which just seem to involve like four or five different potential kind of screwy finishes with loads of different interference. But again, we present it as a live event for a in front of a hot turnaway crowd. Thumbs up, I think. Um, and we get a montage closing the show, and who should appear? but the franchise Shane Douglas. And we step back in time, uh, two or three days, I think, uh, to ECW House Party 96. Chris, if you can kick us off with the results. Sure. Uh, 911 and Rey Mysterio Jr. defeated the Eliminators. Uh, Rob Van Dam defeated Axel Rotten. Two Cold Scorpio with Woman defeated Mikey Ripwreck. Taz with Bill Alfonso, defeated Hack Myers. Bubba Ray Dudley, with Big Dick Dudley, Chubby Dudley, Dances with Dudley, Dudley, and Sign Guy Dudley, defeated Jimmy Del Rey. The Sandman, with Woman, defeated Conan. Sabu, with Paulie Dangerously, defeated Stevie Richards, with the Blue Meanie. And The Public Enemy, defeated The Gangsters. Kieran, what do you think of this show? Um... I think I'm just some of it's just wearing a bit thin, but I don't, I don't want to be too harsh on it because I kind of applauded ECW for what they do when I first started watching it, and now I'm sort of getting a bit over it. But I don't know whether that's been a bit harsh, but it's just there's like one. I think there's like probably one good match on this card, and the rest is sort of either a bit meh or just I didn't really enjoy it. Um, Overall, though, it was just okay, probably. Chris? Um, I didn't enjoy this as much as I thought I was going to, as it was my first real taste of ECW. Um, I did enjoy certain aspects, but nothing blew me away and nothing really captivated me. I don't know, like I've heard you guys on previous editions of the podcast talk about absolutely stellar matches, and there, there wasn't anything like that on this card and it's I could have probably had a better first ECW show to watch it wasn't bad by any means but I don't think there was anything excellent throughout the show no I, I think a show that will be remembered perhaps more for the stuff Chris didn't read out in that results list in terms of this was a show quite heavy on angles uh, one in particular although actually probably more like two um I wouldn't say it was low on match quality. I'm not, I'm not saying that either you two did either, but there was nothing here that stood out as anything excellent. There were some good matches. And yeah, it was a, it was a decent show. It was a show that was, you know, from, from a live crowd perspective was designed to try and send off the public enemy, which they did. Um, and I think people who, who went, got their money's worth, but yeah, it was a, Probably a bit too angle-driven and, and not enough match-driven, which is, you know, again, something that we can perhaps look at in terms of ECW as a, as a more wider problem.
with Joey Styles getting interrupted less than five seconds into his introduction by Bill Alfonso. Alfonso says he hates everyone, wants to know why Taz doesn't get any interviews before berating some members of the crowd before Styles snaps and tells him to shut up. Alfonso looks stunned before getting into a shouting match with Styles. Taz comes out, says he's sick of Styles' shit, and Bill Alfonso is all of a sudden quite giddy. Out comes 911, Alfonso starts lightly slapping him. Todd Gordon comes out and lays out Alfonso. Taz goes after Gordon. 911 gets in Taz's face and we have a standoff. Referees separate them. The fans chant, let them go, let them go, before the ECW locker room empties to complete the pull apart. After the ring is cleared, El Puerto Ricano, I think, stays in the ring and Alfonso goes after him. Sabu hits, with a, hits him with a brutal half suplex. Oh, sorry, Taz rather. Uh, Sars pleases them to stop. 911 comes back out. The Eliminators come out and start attacking 911. Styles out of breath, quote unquote, returns to his competition and the match, uh, begins. We'll get to that in a sec. Uh, Chris, um, what do you think of this opening? Well, I've heard you guys talk about Bill Alfonso on many occasions through <laughs> a number of months. And I've heard you say, especially on the, uh, end of year award show, Bill Alfonso is a prick. And I think this opening <laughs> segment really did sum it up. Uh, he's so dislikable. He, he's so right. irritating. He, he didn't really right, do much. He just got in Joey Styles' face, jumped about, shouted. He's he's wonderful, but I wanted someone to punch him in the face and shut him up. Like he's so annoying. And um, from there, it all got a bit chaotic. And I guess that's really what I should have expected from uh, ECW. But as as you say, as a newbie to this product, um, it was slightly hard to follow initially. Uh, but I enjoyed the opening with Joe Styles, Bill Alfonso, and Taz immensely. Kira, nuclear heat. Because <laughs> Bill Alfonso, he literally—it's like one of them people. You always come. There's certain people in wrestling, like a. And I'm comparing him to Bobby Heenan, but there's certain people that just seem to just like. You just look at them and you just go, "My God, that is literally a human rat!" And I just people just love to hate him, and he's. Like I said, he, he can come across as like really annoying or everything, but that's kind of the point of Bill Alfonso. And then you just add like the whistle and that that's, that he gets. Uh, oh, it's just. Uh, I said I quite enjoy these openings. I 
I, you just hope that everything coming after it, Bob, kind of comes from there. So they sort of have like a mass, you know, you know, really chaotic opening that all sort of breaks down. They break off and then they start the show. But I, I really, I, I quite liked it. Yeah, um, I, I, I like the fact that Alfonso is all um, up in your face when Taz is next to him. Um, but the bits <laughs> where Taz is either like in jeopardy or not there, Alfonso is all of a sudden a bit less confident. <laughs> it's a lovely little dynamic there. Um, but yeah, like he's... I, I don't know whether this is going to wear off, but at the moment it's still box office and it's still really good to watch in the sense that he's still a dick. Um, and I don't think that's going to change anytime soon. Um, but yeah, like a, a nice... You know, a, a nice start that looks unplanned. We flow straight into the first match. This entire segment is like a manic 20 minutes. You, you, you'll, you'll find out more why in a minute. Um, 9-1 and Ray Mysterio Jr. versus the Eliminators, Saturn and Cronus with Jason. Saturn and Cronus attack 9-1 in the corner before Mysterio comes out, goes for a top rope crossbody, but gets caught. Both Eliminators go for a moonsault, but both miss. Mysterio hits a second rope springboard moonsault of his own for a highly impressive head arm drag takedown on both men. Mysterio then does a moonsault off the turnbuckle to the outside. Mysterio escapes a powerbomb from Saturn into an arm drag, then a springboard head scissors. The Eliminators try a double team move and mess it up. 911 is still selling in the corner. Eventually, the Eliminators regain control. Taz comes out and chokes 911 with a rag, as does Alfonso. The crowd chant for Sabu. Mysterio swings at Saturn with a cookie sheet on the outside. We finally get parity in the ring. 911 hits a suplex on Saturn. Cronus hits a brutal powerbomb to Mysterio. Once again, the Eliminators hit their total elimination double team head and leg kick. Taz starts choking 911 again. Alfonso is going nuts with his whistle. Mysterio hits a lovely double DDT. He motions to 911, climbs on his shoulders. Saturn climbs on Cronus' shoulders. Mysterio jumps off of 911's shoulders, does a Hurricane Rano onto Saturn uh, for the win. Uh, that, in my notes, was fantastic. I did a very bad job of describing that. But yeah, Saturn was on Cronus' shoulders. Mysterio was on 911's shoulders. Mysterio jumped off of 911's shoulders, caught Saturn and Hurricane Rano him right to the mat uh, and then pinned him. Kieran, what do you think of this? That bit of the, like I, said, I just want to go to that bit, that bit at the end was absolutely, the execution on that was absolutely staggering. That was easily the standout moment of that. The, the main issue I have with this match is probably just the eliminators as a team themselves. They, they're not really a lot there, Bob, if I'm brutally honest. It seems to be all about the, you know, the, the, is it, what's their finish? Is it total elimination there? Yeah, finish? basically they have a, a well, probably pertinent for me to explain this because what's about to happen. You have a standing opponent, one guy kind of does a, a kind of shin takedown from behind, kind of goes for the cast with their leg, and the other mm. one does a kind of spinning side kick to their head, and so, from the front, and so they kind of get flattened. That, yes. That's called I mean, total it's, elimination. It's a really, that's a really impressive move, but other than that, there's just not, there's not a lot there. I, I hope there's some more coming forward because if they can sort of, if the rest of what their, their characters and like their ring work, if it can get to the standards of what their finishing move is, I think they, you know, they're going to get somewhere. Um, the match itself, it, it was, it was okay. Um, but like I said, it all about that finish really just elevated it and I, that really took me back. The ending was fantastic. Chris, I thought the, the finish was fantastic. It's only a slight criticism, but I did feel it was contrived and slightly forced how both teams just decided to play a bit of chicken at the end and uh, set up. But it was a fantastic spot and a really cool end to the match. Definitely the highlight. I liked uh, Joey Styles on commentary. I liked how he played up Mysterio being the first person to ever come to a 9 one aid. Um, I thought that was a nice little side note. 
Um, it's little things that confuse me. Like, why would Taz come back out to interfere and choke 911 out for a while and think, then just I leave? Think the simple and explanation for that him. was that they wanted 911 to sell for most of the match because they didn't want him involved in most of the match. So I think, I think the simple explanation was they wanted him to be able to do some more selling. No, I, 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 have, I don't mind that. It's just like from a, from a logic perspective, why would Taz just bugger off and leave them to finish the match afterwards and, and allow Malman One's team to pick up the win? Like, I, I, I understand, like, it's necessarily if that's what they're going for, but it just feels a little bit, uh, illogical. But I suppose in ECW, I mean, it's pretty chaotic anyway. Uh, I did enjoy it. It wasn't, particularly noteworthy i don't think i'd remember anything from this match if the finish hadn't been so cool but that as kieran said the total elimination finishing move is a uh, pretty special from the eliminators a big fan of that yeah i, I think you two are both underselling mysterio's role in this match um uh, there was some highly impressive stuff from him uh on on two guys that are significantly bigger i mean you know twice the size really um and some of the moves he were pulling off he was pulling off was incredibly impressive uh the finish was great I, I i gave that a round of applause when i watched it um was it contrived I, I i'm not so sure it was mysterio like deliberately climbs on nine one shoulders and then like as he sets it up saturn turns to Cronus and goes lift me up so it's a bit contrived but it wasn't like they tried to fake the idea that they both accidentally stumbled into a position where they were both on their partner's shoulders it was more a case of one guy went up and the other went right send me up um it was a little bit but i'll 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 let them go for um for for how good they execute the finish and you know fair play Uh, i i i think they they were they were concerned about 911 being in any kind of situation where he'd have to wrestle for long periods which is why they booked the match like this 911 starts the match selling in the corner does the odd move but isn't required to do anything else you put him in the ring with a guy like mysterio and it it worked i I thought it was fine uh without being exceptional Oh my God! You just hit Francine with total elimination! Uh, ooh, what's this post-match angle? Uh, post-match eliminators do their total elimination on Mysterio. Out come Pitbulls who go after the eliminators and Francine who goes after Jason. The eliminators then do a total elimination on Francine which looked brutal. There's then an odd hush silence in the ECW arena. Jason comes back around, hits him with a chair. Pitbull 2 dumps Jason to the outside. Paramedic stretcher Francine out of the building. And mercifully, that entire segment that we ran through of this show was one straight shot. Mercifully, the segment ends. Chris, um, that was, that was a brutal total elimination on Francine. Yeah, and I mean, as you say, to the, the sort of eerie silence within the crowd, like any crowd in wrestling, to get that kind of reaction from the ECW arena at this point, I mean, it's going to have to be pretty brutal to shock them, and it certainly did that. It, it was, it, it looked terrible. Karen? Yeah, I, I, same as Chris. I mean, it took me back, um, and I've got the benefit of the TV screen, so you can, I can fully appreciate having watched ECW for like the past few months about how, what it must have been like to see it live, because like Chris says, to shut that crowd up. It was it was as brutal a thing as you'd have seen, especially because it was to a, a female as well. Because I mean, they used to Beulah getting the, um, you know pile drivers from 
Tommy Dreamer and things like or chair shots, but this in particular, but this was particularly brutal. I thought. Yeah, um, you know, I've I've mentioned before about ECW's treatment of women, and I should frame the whole thing about criticizing ECW's treatment of women. You know, they are, you know, nobody's there under duress. They're all there because they want to be there. They're all being paid, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But I think we get a very clear vision of Paul Heyman et al.'s view of females. And Paul Heyman's view of how his own fans view females in the way that they get treated on television and the way that Bill Alfonso calls Beulah McGillicuddy a slut and a whore about two months ago and the some of the moves that the women have to get put through or, or do end up getting put through. I'm just saying we get a vision of what Either Paul yeah. Heyman thinks they like or what they like. Or what they like. That's, so, that's, what, so, that's what, that's what, that's what's interesting to me, well, Bob, what you just said there. Cause, um, it's what does Paul Heyman think the crowd likes? I'd never actually thought about it like that. Um, quite... but with that being said, uh, you know, the, and, and, and we, we won't end up talking about it, but we, we get shots later in the month of, of a future event where Francine turns up with kind of two black eyes and a neck brace. If you're going to do an angle like that, at least make it mean something, and I think they did. So I will give them that. And it was a fa- like credit fair fox to Francine for taking that kind of you know, spot. That looked brutal, whoever you were, whatever gender you are. That looked like a looked like they laid that in. It looked fantastic. Um, but yeah, just uh, another in a line of observations. We're debuting a character later this month called Kimona. I want a layer. You know, we're doing that. So anyway. Next up, it's Axel Rotten against Rob Van Dam. Joey Styles introduces Van Dam as a guy who has a lot of martial arts experience while in Japan and who has previously appeared in WCW. Van Dam does a couple of mid-air spin kicks. Rotten applauds. Rotten returns the favour with a mid-air spin kick of his own. Rotten is getting quite riled up with the whole thing. Van Dam does an arm drag followed by a springboard crossbody that gets some applause. Van Dam does a forward roll into a chop. Van Damme rolls over, uh, for, does a roll over duck from Rotten, misses a spin kick, and then Rotten hits a T-bone suplex. The crowd start chanting, kick his ass, Axel, kick his ass. Rotten returns the failure with a clothesline that flips Van Damme over. Rotten starts cupping his ear to the crowd. Rotten goes to the top rope, attempts a brave if futile elbow drop as Van Damme moves. Van Damme heads to the top, hits a big flying splash, but only gets a two count. Van Dam does a flip dive to the outside before returning to the top rope and hitting a nice high angles kick and a standing shooting star when back on the match. No pin though. Rotten charges Van Dam but eats some turnbuckle. Van Dam slams him, hits a rapid spit legged moonsault for the victory. Chris. I really enjoyed this. It, w- it wasn't anything that was going to blow me away, but for a debut, I thought it was effective. It was a good length, didn't go too long, wasn't too short. Um, it was a, an effective uh, introduction that sold me on Rob Van Dam. I, I really liked his moveset. I thought it was like some of the moves he pulled off were really uh, enjoyable. That split blade moonsault, which was his finish, that was that was really good. I like the uh, martial arts element of his moves, and I, yeah, I was. I, I mean, only positive things to say about this one. I thought it was um, perfectly fine. Kieran. Yeah, just a really good solid debut. It's exactly what you need with a new guy, especially when with somebody so different to probably everything else you're going to see. Um, it's just, it was really refreshing to see. Like I said, his moves, he was slick, he was fast, quick. Um, the other guy sold where he needed to, the split leg moonsault, I really love that move. 
Um, but yeah, it's a really good debut, Bob. Nothing, nothing amazing, like Chris said. Nothing's going to blow you away, but just really solid. Yeah, I, I say this in the knowledge that in the ECW show at the end of the month, he has a match with Sabu that, uh, while having a, a, a very kind of convoluted finish, did go down very well for the match that it was. That hasn't aired yet. It'll, I imagine it'll air next month. Um, as impressive as Van Dam was, I didn't think this worked, uh, in the sense that, you know, he was doing a lot of the whole kind of mid-air spin kicks thing, and, you know, Axel Rotten was getting quite tired of it. Um, I think the, the biggest kind of indicator in all this that I don't think it worked was that the crowd seemed to turn on him about halfway through it. They started chanting, kick his ass, Axel, kick his ass. And this is Van Damme really playing a babyface in a land where babyfaces and heels are, you know, neither here nor there. Um, but for a guy wrestling such a crowd-pleasing style to lose the crowd so early on against the kind of, you know, middling wrestler in, in Axel Rotten wasn't great. Um, but he's certainly got some moves. That's the positives about all this. He's certainly got some ability. Again, I'm one for maximising your energy output in a wrestling match. And Van Damme doesn't do that. There were a lot of unnecessary rolls, a lot of unnecessary kicks. Um, but again, I think this, the match with Sabu that we haven't seen yet was very well received. I think I'll probably reserve judgment a bit more until then. Some bits about this worked. It was, it, you know, it was an effective match. Um, I don't, again, we've got the problem. We're going to talk about two calls to go behind a minute. We've got a guy flying off the top rope and not getting a pin. I, that's not, you know, if you're going to have a guy do a, a big top rope move, have him win with it. I mean, I know he did it. I think he won it with a top rope split leg moonsault, but he did a big splash there in the match and didn't get the job done. I, I, I don't know, Kieran, Kieran, anything more quickly on, on anything I said? Um, I think I'll be a bit too, a bit too harsh on him, but I definitely think that I've kind of missed the point about the crowd. I don't know whether I just didn't notice, Bob, but, um, the fact the crowd didn't take to it sort of tells you, tells you a lot. Although, I, I, maybe, maybe it's the character, maybe he looked too, too fresh faced, too baby faced, because I certainly wouldn't have thought it would be because all of a sudden, a quote-unquote wrestler is in the ring, but do you, do you think it was just he was too new that they um, didn't take to him? Yeah, I mean, but perhaps that explains... Because I, I think he got them back a little bit towards the end, but I think it perhaps is, it explains the kind of apathy and the, the, the fluid movement of their reactions when you've got somebody on debut... Because you've not got a reference point, your your opinion is going to flip flop depending on you know very small things. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, Chris, Chris said a, a more. Uh, it, could a part of him sort of seemingly losing the crowd halfway through just be that Axel is just he's he's one of ECW's guys, if you know what I mean? He's a familiar face, and you've got this new guy, and just with how sort of smart this crowd is in that it's a guy they know wrestling a guy they don't so they root for the one they know and then as you say he did kind of win them back a bit towards the end and I think because of the fan base you get in that ECW arena if he continues to develop his moveset and it's based around the offense we saw in this match he's definitely the type of wrestler in terms of what he does in the ring that's going to win this crowd over in the long term yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, if he can 
that there are some things I'd change, there are some things I'd tweak, but I, I think he's got the raw ingredients where he could really get over with this crowd. Just that, that kind of offense. Um, again, we're, we're, I think I'm going to reserve judgment more until I see that match with Sabu, uh, or, or by all accounts, very could. The very brief highlights we saw, uh, on Hardcore TV at the end of the month look quite good as well. So we will see. We move on. It's Two Cold Scorpio with Woman versus Mikey Whipwreck uh, for Mikey's ECW television title. What is Two Cold Scorpio wearing? I've got in my notes. Once again, he gets antsy when the ring announcer overstates his weight by one pound. He's a chiseled 238, apparently. He and Mikey exchange slaps. Two Cold says that Cactus Jack won't be here to save Mikey's ass tonight. He offers Mikey the microphone. He says that if Mikey says that if Two Cold Scorpio wants the belt so bad, he will give it to him. And he does by hitting him over the head with it. Scorpio returns the favour, kicking the belt into Mikey's head. We start the match. Two Cold Scorpio shoots Mikey off the ropes and sending flying high into the air, crashing down onto the canvas. Scorpio stays on top in the opening minutes. Mikey reverses the slide and then ends a gurry and a top rope splash, followed by a pair of drop kicks and a slingshot crossbody to the outside. Mikey sends Scorpio charging into the guardrail. Fans in the floor section start chanting, You fat fuck, Scorpio. Scorpio shapes for a powerbomb, but Mikey converts it into the Franken Mikey. Mikey comes off the top rope with a Van Damme-esque kick, somewhat less impressive. Uh, Scorpio runs over Mikey with a steel chair before successfully hitting the powerbomb this time. Scorpio hits a bulldog, driving Mikey's head into the unfolded steel chair. Scorpio hits a twisting leg drop from the second rope, but refuses to pin him. He goes for the steel chair bulldog again, but Mikey reverses it into his own before swinging at Scorpio with a chair. Woman is howling on the outside. Mikey locks in a surfboard stretch. Joey Styles once actually calls the move incorrectly. A bow and arrow this wasn't. Scorpio hits a tombstone pancake manoeuvre, then a lovely moonsault, but he pulls out the cover at two. The fans chant, you fucked up, at Scorpio. Scorpio hits superplex, again pulling out of the pin. He hits a lovely and twisting splash, but again pulls out of the pin. Mikey hits a swinging DDT from the second rope. Woman screaming is getting loud now, so much so that the crowd needs to start imitating her. Mikey hits the Frankie Mikey from the top rope. Scorpio retreats to the third row. Mikey does a flying crossbody to the outside. Back in the ring, Scorpio hits a lovely super kick. On the top rope, Scorpio hits a belly-to-back suplex. Mikey wipes out the referee on the way down, and out comes Raven. Raven DDTs Mikey. Scorpio powerbombs him. Hits a lovely moonsault leg drop. The ref comes to, counts the pin, and we have a new ECW television champion in two cold. Scorpio, Kieran, what do you think of this? Yeah, this, I thought this was the best match on the card, um, mainly because so it, it was that classic thing, Bob, we always say what Heyman says about accentu- accentuating the positives, hiding the negatives. So here you have, like, Scorpio, who I, I personally have underrated, and I think is quite underrated, because I think he was he's one of the best workers they've got. You've got Mikey selling like a champ. Obviously, his whole character's based around... Um, you know, the crowd feeling sorry for him and getting sort of generally just kicked the shit out of. So it all worked, and I just I just thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed this match, and I thought it was the best match on the card. Hmm. Well, position, position to disagree. Um, I, and, and this comes back to the match they had in, in New York that I went through on Hardcore TV as well. I, I'm... Yeah, fuck knows if I've got any idea what they're doing with, with, with Scorpio in terms of this whole doing all these big, high, flashy offensive maneuvers and they're not pinning him. I've, you know, you, I know mm. he's, I know he's playing a kind of heel character, 
and I know, you know, it's the Sid Vicious thing of he'll hit his power bomb, but he won't pin him quickly enough. So when he does go to pin him, the babyface got an excuse to kick out. So there's a thing of we don't want the heel to learn because that shows they're smart. Um, but I don't get this whole let's have him do a series of incredibly flashy moves and not get net the job done. Kieran, anything on that? Yeah, I, I can't see point there, but I just felt like he he sort of started that it was mainly the way the match was the story in the 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 story of the match was told where he sort of he didn't start off with all the the high flying stuff and it showed me something different. I just thought that Scorpio in my head in that match, maybe I need to watch it again, Bob, but he seemed to take his time. But I I do see a point about them always sort of kicking out or him I mean a couple of times I, one thing did annoy me actually though and it stems from the high flying stuff is where he kept pulling up Mikey's head saying he's gonna give him some more punishment. That did wear really thin, if that alludes to what you were saying as well. Chris? Um, I didn't mind necessarily Scorpio breaking his own pins up and not going for the pin because it sort of played into Scorpio's sort of pre-match intimidation tactics and telling Mikey, leave now, avoid the beating, give me the belt. And if he is playing that heel character, it plays into it perfectly that, well, I've got him beat, but he should have just given me the belt, so I'm going to beat on him some more. I, I, I actually quite enjoyed that aspect of this match. Um, as you were reading through, I feel like I've been a bit harsh on this match in my notes because I didn't re- really enjoy it at the time. I haven't put given it a particularly gl- glowing review. I've said it didn't really click for me. There was a few sloppy moments. Um, and I preferred the match between the two from that January 2nd hardcore TV um, but as you were reading through, and I was remembering some of the moments, there were some absolutely incredible moments in this match, but I think when I was watching it like unfold in front of me, it felt a bit off, but that particular aspect of it, with him breaking his own pins and whatnot, seemed to play into the story of the match for me. I don't, I don't know if you'd agree or what, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, maybe I, I've seen him do this for a bit longer now, and I'm starting to get perplexed by it, and I... I kind of can't work out why Scorpio's this low down ECW's car because he's phenomenal with some of the stuff he can do. And I, I, I don't really get the direction they've got him going in, but there's, there's no question he can go. And then you've got Mikey Whipwreck, who I kind of wonder whether they, they don't know what to do with him now. Like, you know, they gave him that massive push in 95, um, won the heavyweight title, all of that stuff, and now they've got other priorities, and, and, and you just get back to, yeah, it's Mikey Whitbreak. Like, that that's the thing. He's the kind of guy that if you're not really putting him in, in, in one concerted effort and in pushing him one focused direction, you kind of just could lose steel on him very quickly because there's only <clears throat> there's only a certain amount of stuff we can do. I mean, it was, it was only really a year ago he was wrestling... Um, I think it was the giant Paul Laurier, the giant, <clears throat> in inverted commas, is about five foot two. And having those kind of competitive undercard matches. And it's like, his character has come on a lot in 12 months, but his wrestling ability has improved a lot. But it was coming from a, a, a position of almost nothing. Um, and there's certain things he can do, but there's a lot that he can't. You know, he can do the, the Frankenstein are quite nicely. He's got the, the flying crossbody to the outside down to a pat too. But I, it, it wasn't a bad match. It's just two characters that really aren't going in, I think, the directions they need to be. And it, it didn't quite click for me, I guess would be what I would say. And the whole thing with the stuff on, on the hardcore TV with, with Mikey winning the tag titles, it, it 
it, it's all weird booking. It, it's it's the kind of thing I don't. You wouldn't really think someone like Paul Heyman, who's trying to be forward thinking, would kind of jumble this whole thing up. But it's not the first time in the last few months that the tag titles have exchanged hands in a singles match, which is the kind of thing you feel like Joey Styles would be ribbing WCW for if they were doing it. And yet ECW are, and it, it I don't know. Um, the action was good. Like, uh, you know, I don't want to run all over this match. It was a pretty good match. Just it just didn't didn't always make sense. Anyway. Hack Myers comes out throwing chairs around. Bill Alfonso comes out next in an NFL jersey. He's flanked by uh, by Taz. Alfonso cuts off the announcer saying he doesn't need an introduction. Everyone knows who he is and Taz is now being introduced as the human suplex machine. It's Hack Myers versus Taz and Bill Alfonso. The fans chant, fuck you Taz. Bill Alfonso is going nuts at ringside, waving his arms so much he appears to be trying to land a plane. Taz locks in an arm bar, but Myers makes it to the ropes. Taz gets another headlock in. Mike's again, Myers again makes it to the ropes. Myers rallies, elbowing Taz in the back of the head. Taz hits a lovely judo-like arm drag takedown. Styles says Tad told him he'd be using some judo throws, and he didn't call him correctly. Taz would, quote, break his fucking neck. This show is going to be labeled explicit tonight, I can tell you that. Uh, Taz hits a lovely uh, lovely suplex. Uh, Myers returns the favour and levels Taz with some rights, but Taz hits a Taz flex, then a German suplex. Taz locks in what they're calling the Taz mission. Oh, Nelson choke. And Myers submits. Chris? Um, I, I know we've been covering the UFC as part of this project, um, and Joey Styles actually did give a mention to them. He talked about how the ultimate fighting pay-per-views and how they've been inspiring Taz. And I, I don't know if it's because I'm a big MMA fan, but I just love Taz. His, his moveset is powerful, realistic, lots of variations of suplexes. And when he's got Bill Alfonso in his corner, I think he's incredible. I was blown away. This is probably the highlight of the show for me. I was taken aback of how brilliant I thought Taz was in effectively a squash match. I enjoyed his moves. I enjoyed his character. And the partnership with Bill Alfonso is great. Um, his moveset is simple, effective, and realistic. And it comes across fa- fantastically. I think he has potential to be a brilliant heel within this ECW setup. I really enjoyed this. And it was effectively a short squash match. And his moves look absolutely brutal, Kieran. Yeah, it, it, Taz is the—he's the real MVP of this this entire show for me. I've never seen suplexes like this. The, the one in particular is that T—the the T-bone one. Um, and then his ability—the the way he just throws a man the size of Hack Myers around Bob, and he's like—he's you know he's closely sort of landing on the back of his neck the way he was landing as well you've never i've never seen suplexes like executed like that before um the match itself was kind of it was you know it was written to do exactly what it said on the tin which was to put taz over big which it did um like chris said um just put ben alfonso there with him with this human wrecking machine and it's it's gold yeah, um, for all of my criticisms of the previous match, for what on paper was probably a, a more impressive match, uh, this was a far more effective match, um, in the sense that Taz, who, for those who haven't seen him, haven't seen Myers, Taz is giving away a lot of height and a lot of size. Um, and this was, you know, this was, it was a short, reasonably even match in the early going. It's not like Myers didn't get any offense in. Taz just kept 
you know, regaining control. Um, and it was really effective. And, and, and Chris, you're right. Taz's offense is, looks really good. And, you know, it's, it's, uh, Myers was the perfect opponent here. Someone who's significantly bigger. But Taz chopped down in a way that didn't feel unrealistic. It felt like he was beating him. Um, and yeah, a really effective segment. Myers was exactly the guy for this spot. It was, for what it was meant to be, it was a really, really good match. Taz grabs the mic. He says Sabu is hiding. He says that this is just the beginning of the end for every man who, quote, gets in our path of rage. On behalf of Bill Alfonso and the human suplex machine, we'd like to tell everyone here to fuck off. <laughs> Sign Guy Dudley and Dances with Dudley unveils a banner saying, quote, the one and only Hardcore Extreme Original Sign Guy. The guy in the crowd has a sign saying, the one and only truly original, extremely hardcore Sign Guy. Yes, this all happened. Bubba Ray Dudley takes the mic. The fans chant, what's your name? Bubba tries to introduce himself, but he gets drop kicked from behind by Jimmy Del Rey. And it is Bubba Ray Dudley with Sign Guy Dudley, Chubby Dudley, Dancing with Dudley and Big Dick Dudley versus Jimmy Del Rey with Mr. Hughes. Bubba starts unloading on Del Rey. He hits a nice standing dropkick before starts gyrating and dancing, a la Jimmy Del Rey. Bubba hits a lovely running splash into the corner. He covers Del Rey, then breaks the ref after he doesn't count the three. Del Rey hits a lovely swinging DDT. Bubba sets her a power bomb but ends up levelling Mr. Hughes on the apron. Del Rey shoots Bubba off the ropes. Bubba hits a DDT and gets the win. After the match, Mr. Hughes grabs the mic. He says he can teach Bubba proper English, or at least he knows someone who can. And it's Shane Douglas. Business has just picked up. Douglas does his triple threat hand sign, mocking the four horsemen, and gets a positive crowd reaction. Douglas mocks Bubba Ray's speech impediment. He says that it has been a purgatorious, sorry, I'll talk again. There have been purgatorious times for all of us in the past six months. He says he happens to be the world's greatest wrestler and the world's greatest English cheater teacher the crowd chant dean is dead douglas slaps bubba the franchise is back which gets a big crowd pop kieran um the match the match was not really anything special there's a little bit of good offense for bubba but it was so good to see um shane douglas back bob it was really good to see him um it it's the hole has definitely been left like i've mentioned before in previous shows about the holes in the roster I think having Shane Douglas back is only positive. He got really good reaction from the crowd, and I'm just really pleased to see him back. That was the main thing I took away from the match or after it. Yeah, I mean, this is the same crowd that were were chanting, you know, Shane is dead, Flair is king, I think, whatever they were chanting mm-hmm. when, when, when Douglas was on his way out, you know, eight or nine months ago. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you know, he talks about purgatorious times. Listen to any of our WWF shows in the last six or seven months. You'll, you'll have heard all about that. Um yeah, you know, just to be clear, this is just the franchise Shane Douglas. There is no real moniker left. You know, he's, I, I, I'm hoping he set that blue singlet on fire. Uh, if nothing else, uh, that exclamation point, my God. Um, but yeah, uh, Chris, what do you think? Uh, the match was probably too short to rate, uh, one thing, Bubba's, uh, drop kick in the early going really impressed me for a guy his size. So it was a pretty decent effort from him. Um, as someone who, this is my first ECW show, I'm probably not, like, my knowledge of Shane Douglas is is as of Dean Douglas, so not great. So to have him back in ECW and to see what a big deal he is, I mean, I've heard about it 
through listening to ECW editions of the podcast and whatnot. Um, so it's exciting times moving forward for ECW. But as a match and as a segment, um, it was fine as a way to reintroduce Shane Douglas. But I don't know how much more worth it had. Yeah, the, the, the match wasn't designed to be anything special, and it wasn't. Um, the, yeah, I'm not really going to pass comment on that. As, as for the angle, um, whether I would, you know, there is a, I, I liked it. On the whole, I liked it. It was a good way to reintroduce Douglas. Whether you say something about a guy like Douglas when you reintroduce him into a mid-card angle like this, I don't know. Um, but there would have been a way of presenting Douglas's return like it was a bigger deal. But ECW is the kind of promotion that will just do stuff like this. Um, and I am really, really looking forward to these vignettes with Shane Douglas teaching Bo Ray Dudley how to speak English. They, 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 <laughs> they, they, they could be they right. could vignettes for the year. Like, why don't yeah. we get these? Um, so, no, it's it's great to have Douglas back. Um, WWF just, just missed the plot with him. Um, he is a bigger deal to ECW. The franchise character works. And at a time, um, Kieran, I, I know we were we were kind of chatting about this show earlier today, and you called it a very transitional time for ECW. At a transitional time for ECW, having someone like Douglas back in the fold near the top of the card can only be a good thing. Beulah baby over here. by my man Raven. So, me being the obvious stud, studly Stevie Richards, figured, you know, I give Buell a little bit late Christmas cheer. So right now, here in front of the ECW arena, history shall repeat itself. Studly Stevie Richards, the king of swing, is going to get a kiss from Buell, baby. Come here. No, no, no. No, I'm serious. I don't want to be touched. You know, you you know you're making me look bad in front of everybody. You don't understand. I said I don't want to be touched. Missy might be watching. Come on, I mean, I don't care. You're not gonna kiss me. I don't want to be touched.
Dancing Stevie Richards comes out with Beulah and the Blue Meanie. Richards taps Joey on the backside. He says he is no longer Dancing Stevie Richards. He is now Studly Stevie Richards, the King of Swing. He's the only true American male, but he's built better than Bagwell and better looking than Riggs. Richards then starts rambling on, losing the crowd somewhat. He eventually gets to Beulah and says Raven has been neglecting her. Richard says he's given Beulah some late Beulah, sorry, some late Christmas cheer. He wants a kiss. She says no. She doesn't want to be touched. Richard says she's making him look bad. Missy might be watching. Richard's offers. Richard tries again. Beulah says stop it, and then says that she's pregnant. Richard starts jumping up and down in excitement. I love that that was his reaction to the idea that Raven would have got Beulah pregnant. But there we are. Uh, out charges Raven, who asks her if she's stupid. The pills say one day at a time after all. He calls her a moron and an idiot. Again, you know, ECW's two and women, you know, former Q. Uh, she asks, what do you care? It's not yours. Raven then levels Richards. Beulah says it isn't Richards' either. It's Tommy's. Raven goes after Beulah. Tommy charges out. DDT's Raven. Beulah then levels Meanie and Richards with a frying pan and Tommy goes to work on Raven. Tommy levels Raven with a sign that says, Tommy, use my sign. He rips off the paper and it turns out it's a metal stop sign. He then grabs the pie from a fan and DDT's Raven onto the sign and onto the pie. Chris, um, if, if, if you were on edge about trying out ECW, what did you think of this? <laughs> I thought it was unique, fun, and memorable. I, I thought it was exactly what I was letting myself into with ECW. I expected segments like this. I expected crazy matches and violence, and it delivered. I mean, this was unlike anything I've seen um, in pro wrestling generally. I thought it was, absurd. well, at the very least, memorable. Um, we'll have to see sort of how this plays into the rest of the feud between Dreamer and Raven to see if it's a positive segment, but they've tried something. They've tried to spice the feud up in a way and add new life to it, having had it go on for so long. Um, I thought it was, I don't know. I don't know if I want to say good, but I enjoyed it. I don't know that it was good, but I enjoyed it. Yeah. Kieran. Yeah, same really. I just think it was a really good way to keep the feud going. I alluded earlier to the fact that, Maybe this has been dragging on too long, and then all of a sudden Heyman just pulls out one of his aces and does something like this. Um, like with Chris, I don't know whether you can say it's it's good or not. It just it just it was just good to know that the feud was actually going to go somewhere, and that if we were going to get more Raven and Dreamer Bob, then at least there would be some extra meaning behind it, not just sort of whatever they were fighting about for the last eight months. There's actually something new injected into the feud. Um, but I just, I'm just staggered that someone had a pie on them. What? I, not not for the first time. Not for the, the is pie, it not? Pie, pie, pies are very popular at the ECW <laughs> arena. Like, and it's like my my admiration for people bringing pies is that these are not eating it. Well, I'm no, more the point. It. This is not the first segment on the show. They bring a pie in and they keep it on them. And and but more the point. More the point. You bring a pie in. What if you don't get the opportunity to use it? Like, there's there's a flip side <laughs> of all that. You bring the pie. And you, you don't get to give it to one of the wrestlers. Do you then eat the pie? Because if I was going to eat the pie, I'd want to eat it. I want to give it away. I want to risk losing it. If I was planning to eat it, I'd want to eat it. Like, yeah, you know, maybe two pies. I don't know, Chris. 
Anything more? I think it may have been Joey Styles who brought the pie with him because he called that it was a blueberry pie before the, the uh, pile driver happened. So well, I think we, it, we've been here before. We, we, we missed it, Joey Styles. Um, so he, he he knew it was a blueberry pie. So I've got my suspicions now that Joey Styles oh. is involving himself in this feud. Wow. Or, or, or maybe he's just got a concession stand outside the front. <laughs> maybe that. Um, yeah. Maybe. I, I, I would completely agree. I don't know that this was a good statement, but God damn, it was memorable. Um, you know, yeah, I, I don't know that it was a good segment in, in terms of it's, it's another layer to, to Raven and Dreamer, and maybe it's the kind of layer they had to add just to, you know, this, this is the second year of the feud. It's now been going 12 months. Um, perhaps it needed something like this. In terms of the story they told, I think they did a very good job of it, but I, I, I'm on the fence as to whether it's, it's a good, a good move in the right direction but yeah it, it's going to be the kind of segment we're going to be talking about at the end of the year um and so for that i think it's a positive probably Sandman comes out with woman this entrance takes an absolute eternity and next up it's Sandman with woman versus conan fans chant Sandman's gonna kill you I think this was a title match by the way uh conan starts great vine in the lake then goes into a side leg lock before joining up with a face lock quite the contortion the crowd once again mock or mimic woman's howling Sandman flips it over we reset conan goes for a forward roll takedown into a head scissors Sandman escapes and regroups while sat on the floor Sandman says to the camera you think you can beat me at wrestling conan you've got another thing coming well i don't know about that uh back in the ring conan is still in control Sandman is doing his best to get coached through a wrestling match Sandman hits a slingshot shoulder charge to conan on the outside conan whips Sandman into the guardrail Sandman hits his head on a steel chair a fan is holding Sandman drops Conan onto the guardrail. He then hits a sloppy clothesline, sending Conan into the crowd. Back in the ring, Sandman starts punching Conan before biting his forehead. Conan gets back up and is gushing blood. Blood is pouring out. Sandman hits a slingshot sent on of sorts, then sets up a table in the ring. The fans chant, bye bye Conan. Sandman sets for a superplex. Conan manages to send Sandman flying through the table. He then gives the fans what for. Conan and Woman exchange presentries. Woman throws Sandman in the cane. Sandman hits Conan with it. The crowd chant, fuck him up, Sandman, fuck him up. With Sandman drifting, Rey Mysterio chucks a cane to Conan, who unloads on Sandman. They start exchanging shots like a sword fight. We get a ten count. Sandman half staggers to his feet. Woman holds him up, and the referee thinks that's enough. Sandman adds to the ten count, but Conan doesn't. And so Sandman wins the match. Chris. Well, as I've said a number of times, my knowledge of ECW up until this point is exclusively from listening to you guys talking about it. I've seen none from 1995, then obviously this is the first month of 1996. Um, I've heard many of you say about how bad Sandman is in the ring, but I didn't think he'd be this bad. He's so sloppy, I can't believe he's the... ECW champion. I think this is one of Sandman's better matches. <laughs> I do as well. Right, from a, from oh, a God. From a perspective that oh, Chris Conan no was trying <laughs> in the early stages to kind of get into a wrestling match, I was actually quite impressed that Sam I thought blow it completely. Well, I thought Conan was great. Some of his early submissions were fantastic. But Sandman just... He can barely do a clothesline properly. He's, <laughs> he's terrible. I can't believe he's the champion. And, but I sp- and you know what? He's fucking over as well. The, the entrance as well. Like, I'm sure it would have been wonderful in the arena and I'd have been really into it having had a few beers myself or something like that. But Jesus, to watch it for like five minutes, it's just coming out and drinking beer and smashing beer cans and having a fag. I was like, 
get in the ring. I was so bored. I couldn't. Uh, I, I like I, but I do appreciate how over he would be in that environment. Obviously, but in terms of watching this on TV, it just didn't work for me at all. I, like it was the the match itself was just a brawl, and I suppose that's all you're ever going to get out of Sandman, having just seen this one match. If you say this is one of his better showings, then I I hate to see some of the stuff from 1995. But it wasn't. I have been quite harsh with him uh, here, but the match itself it wasn't awful. He was bad, but the the match was okay. It was just a a fight, I suppose, rather than a, a pro wrestling match, and that has its um time and place and certainly I suppose anytime Sandman's in the ring that's what you're going to get it wasn't terrible it was alright to watch at least to see how badly he was going to execute these moves it was quite a novelty I suppose but I, I just can't believe he's the world champion well he's not anymore uh, not, not that ECW well, oh, not that ECW is a world champion anyway but um, yeah the, the ECW title is now on Raven but at the time of this he, he was and, and, at the and, time uh, of this yes and your perplexity is, is certainly well justified Kieran yeah, it's he's it's staggering how bad like one bloke can be. I mean, for me and Bob, for Chris, for me and Bob to say it's one of his better ones, it's not saying a whole lot because he's about as bad he's about as bad as you can be on. Aside from the Rotten Brothers match from a few months ago, he he's literally I can't get, sometimes I can't get through it. It's that bad. Just, Someone just has no... had some really good brawls. So there was a match with Cactus Jack a year ago that was a really good brawl. That's what yeah. it was. In that yeah. kind of environment, you, you can see why it works. Um, but yeah, I, I think the fact that we saw Conan try a wrestling match, and that was the better half of the match, really, it was Conan kind of working through it. Sorry, Kieran, carry on. Yeah, no, no it's alright. Well, that, that was, I was just about to say that, that, that was the best, that was the best part of it, and that's what made the match not so bad as his others is the fact that at least the other guy I mean if I think if the opponent he was having had been another brawler and it was another Sandman brawl I don't think I'd have got through it but the fact that Conan was trying at least I stuck through it and it ended up being it, it was okay it's just that bloody entrance I have to skip through it now Chris just skip through it for future mate yeah, I will it took a long time like by usual standards I, yeah I mean like we are critical of Sandman. This actually wasn't that bad. Um, from from Conan's early goings in terms of just trying to out wrestle him, I like that story. I like Sandman getting back involved and, and turning it into more of a Sandman style match. It was actually quite a good match. But yeah, Chris, I, I can imagine on first viewing, like, whoa, what the hell is this? Um, but yeah, it was it was interesting. Again, another like. Uh, do, do we need to protect Conan? Do, do we, do we, like, you know, do, do we need to have another, like, you know, controversial, you know, convoluted finish just for the sake of it? I, I, I don't know. Um, but yeah, th- this is Sandman, and the one thing we can say for all the criticism, by God, he's over in front of that crowd. Uh, there, there's a reason he was at the time champion, is that, you know, that's the thing, like, it, you imagine that if this was, say it was Sandman on debut against Conan as, you know, maybe even on debut, if it was two fresh guys in front of the crowd, I would be pretty confident that the crowd would be booing the hell out of Sandman and cheering Conan, but because they've got that association with him, because they can reflect so well with his character, it just works. Uh, we move on. Oh, go on, Chris. Sorry, I was, I was just how long has he been 
in ECW at this point? A couple oh, of years or? Yeah, about that. Um, you know, I mean, he was, he was playing a surfer character late 93, early 94. Um, so yeah, he's. Cause I'd, I'd imagine if this is, if this is his standard stuff with this type of, like this length of entrance, I would have thought it would have worn thin by now. So credit to the guy. If he's been doing this for a number of years, a year and a half or however long he's been playing this character for being so over still, I guess you have to give him that. Um, I, and I credit I, to him for still being so bad, having wrestled for over like two, two and a half years. <laughs> yeah, equally. Yeah, very true. Uh, we move on. It's Studley Stevie Richards with the Blue Meanie versus Sabu. Stevie trips while running around the ring. Sabu doesn't seem pleased at the canvas, presumably it's covered in blood. And, well, and pie. Uh, Sabu dies at Richards multiple times, who dies out of the way. One of the two then chucks Sabu a chair. Raven or Richards, uh, sorry, Meanie or Richards. Sabu sets up the chair, charges at it, jumps off it, and wipes out both Richards and Meanie before ending up in the front row. He hits a springboard leg drop, then a spin kick. Richards hits a nice power bomb for a two. Sabu returns with a somersault leg drop for a two, then bends Richards' fingers back. Richards lays a chair on Sabu, goes to the top, but Sabu pops up. Sabu sets up the chair, charges across the ring, and hits Air Sabu, sending Richards tumbling to the outside. With Richards on the apron, Sabu balls out a sunset flip and sends them both crashing to the concrete. Sabu sets up a table, immediately comes after him and starts attacking him. Uh, Richards regains the upper hand and shouts, shut the fuck up, at fans in the crowd. Richards get, uh, Sabu gets on Richards' shoulders and hits the head scissors to the outside before laying him on the table. Sabu grabs a chair from the crowd, sets it up. Richards pops up and Sabu basically ends up throwing himself through the table. Richards hits another powerbomb, goes to the top, drops a fist. Sabu does a Frankensteiner, but Stevie gets to the ropes. Stevie gets straight across the second rope and Sabu hits a somersault leg drop. With Meanie and Richards regrouping on the outside, Sabu hits a slingshot Frankensteiner on Meanie, then one on Richards, sending him into the crowd. Sabu sets up Richards on another table. Meanie hides around the corner with a chair, but Sabu stops him and levels him with a chair. Paul Lee unloads on Meanie. Sabu hits a slingshot leg drop onto Richards through the table. Sabu pins Richards in the ring, but Stevie gets his foot up. Richards goes for an inside cradle and almost gets an upset. Sabu leathers Richards with a clothesline, but only gets a two. Sabu sends Richards into the turnbuckle. Richards bounces off and responds with a lovely super kick. Sabu kicks out. Sabu ends up in Richards, on Richards' shoulders for hitting a lovely DDT. Dangerously slides him a chair. He climbs to the top and hits a lovely atomic Arabian face buster, and that will take it. Kieran? Yeah, it was... Th- it was okay. It's probably just just behind the whip rack match for me. Um, we enjoyed some of Sabu's stuff. Um, it probably just went on a bit a bit too long. Um, but apart from that, I really I really enjoyed this match. Really enjoyed it. Chris, it was it was good. I definitely agree with Kieran that it went on way too long. I thought by the end it was really dragging. I was surprised how much time this one got. Um, I. I haven't seen much ECW, as I've said a number of times now, but even I know that throwing a chair to Sabu in the ring is mental, and uh, Joey Styles called it akin to throwing a chainsaw to Leatherface. And uh, uh, Sabu certainly made him pay, I thought. Little things like that really grind on me, like why would Stevie Richards do that? Like, What's the logic in him executing throwing a chair into the ring to Sabu? Not at Sabu, just to him, just passing him a chair. It makes no sense. And that sort of took me out of the match for a little while. I mean, they did a lot of cool stuff, but it really went on a while. And 
it, like, it was good. I'd probably agree with Kieran that I preferred the uh, Scorpio match to this one. Call me a sucker. This was match of the night. I, I really like this. Um, I, I am becoming a very big fan of Sabu working long matches with mid-card ECW guys. And that extends to Hack Myers a couple of months ago. I think that might extend to Rob Van Dam when we see that match as well. Uh, I thought this was really good. I, it, you, you can question to a point having Richards, a guy, a bit like Myers really, a guy that's been presented as a lower card act having such a even Steven back and forth match with Sabu. Um, but I thought it was really good. Like Richards got like three or four really, really impressive moves in and like yeah, we haven't yeah, Richards has wrestled matches usually as the sidekick of Raven or as the, the kind of cannon fodder for Raven when he's been the kind of the last in line. But it's it's lovely to be able to watch him in this kind of match and go he can work, like, and he can. Um, and it's it's great to see Sabu seemingly working these longer, more even, more WWF WCW style matches. It's it's still the Sabu you recognise, but in a package that you haven't always seen before. Um, and yeah, I thought it was really good. I don't think it was too long at all. I, I like the balance. Um, I like the action. I thought the super kick that Richards did was a really good spot. Made a really sweet noise, and the crowd reacted with that. And Sabu picked up the clean win. Um, yeah, I, I, I thought this was the best match of the night. But you know, there we go. Each of us has a, a slightly different view on that. We, we move on to the main event. It's the Public Enemy, Fly by Rocker Rock and Johnny Grunge versus the Gangsters, Mustafa and New Jack. Grunge says, now that we've seen the rest, we are ready. Are we ready for the motherfucking best? He says, this is the house, the house that the public enemy built. The fans chant, you'll be back at them. Rock says, you may take us out of the ECW, but you'll never take the ECW out of us. one question. Did you motherfuckers think I was going to be gone long? Hell no. shit boy but one thing i want you to do i never ask you for another favor when you see them pussy bitches harlem heat tell them i invented this i invented this i invented this and as a matter of fact i called santa claus the other night i said santa claus what you think about sensational sharing he said uh uh ho 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 New Jack says, going to WCW is taking the easy way out. He then says, when you see them pussy bitches Harlem Heat, tell them I invented this. In fact, I saw Santa Claus last week. I said, what do you think of that, Sister Sherry? He said, ho, ho, ho. This starts off exactly as the brawl you might expect. New Jack goes after Grunge with some sort of nightstick. Rocco Rock Rock grabs another pie off a fan, another one, and spears it over Jack's head. Uh, Mustafa press slams Rocco Rock and drops an elbow. The canvas is an absolute mess of weapons, blood and pie. Rock hits a somersault sent on to the outside, sending Mustafa through the table. All four men are now outside. New Jack levels Grunge with a cookie sheet and a chair in the crowd. Back in the ring, Mustafa drops a knee on Rock. Jack and Grunge are fighting near the eagle's nest now. Grunge does a running bulldog to New Jack on a chair. Rocco Rock hits a lovely moonsault kick to Mustafa. New Jack pile drives Grunge before climbing to the hard camera and hitting a flying splash. Mustafa locks in a figure four on Rock in the ring. Grunge is now working New Jack with a chair by the entranceway. Mustafa starts attacking Rocco with some bread. He then starts eating the bread. Grunge grabs another pie, but his throne misses. They're at ringside now. 
How many pies are in this marina? Uh, Mustafa lays Rock on a table, then does a Vader bomb, putting Rock through the table. Grunge actually tries to pin Mustafa here, but only gets a two. Rock climbs to the top, slips and crotches himself. The referee actually counts a three with New Jack pinning Grunge, but the ref then spots Johnny's foot on the ropes. Rocco Rock moonsaults Mustafa through the table. Mustafa hits a big suplex onto Rocco Rock. Johnny sends Mustafa on the deck. Uh, Rocco Rock hits a big high angle sent on drive-by, pins Mustafa and the public enemy win their final ECW match. Rock calls the ECW fans the greatest wrestling fans in the world. He said these fans make these ECW wrestlers do things they wouldn't do anywhere else. They invite fans and some of the wrestlers from the back out for one last dance and we go off the air with a pre-taped video package that we saw on Hardcore TV. Chris, uh, you, uh, as we said, 400 times of this show, as someone who's not seen ECW before, what did you think of this style of main event? It was everything I expected it to be. In my mind, this is what I, ex- yeah, this is classic ECW to a newbie, basically. This is what I expected from my main event. This is what I expected throughout the night. Um, the fans loved it. It was just a mindless chaotic brawl with a variety of weapons and a load of violence and a lot of blood a particular highlight was the loaf of bread being used as a weapon and then uh, <laughs> him eating it afterwards as well um, I'd not I like, I don't, I, this is because I haven't seen a lot of them I don't know how well the public enemy are going to translate in WCW if this is what their matches are like how, like on a consistent basis I don't know that they are but if they are um, I don't know how they're ever going to work in that environment because they're not going to be having matches like this. This was definitely effective for the position it was in as the main event of the show and to the crowd it had in front of it. I don't think it would translate very well in WCW. Well, we will uh, we'll be dis- what well, we will have discussed that on, on volume two uh, in the in the WCW show. Kieran, what do you think of this? Yeah, it's just it's just the signature ECW stuff. This this is exactly what their main events pretty much always end up being, especially when it's these two teams. It's brutal. There's blood. There's lots of you know holy shit spots and all that sort of thing. It just like I said right at the start. It's sometimes at, cer- at certain points I knew it might happen where it just starts to wear a bit thin and I want something a bit more. Um, but I will say I do fully appreciate what the public enemy have done while they've been there. Um, I think they've probably been one of the more outstanding tag teams. Um, they re- they got really over with the crowd. You can see that even upon them leaving, you know, everyone's sort of wishing them well. Um, but my overriding thoughts is as they were sort of saying goodbye, is like Chris, is what, how does a team like this even begin to start in a company like WCW. I mean, I, I, I sometimes when I watch ECW, it doesn't even feel like it's running concurrent with WCW and WWF. Do you know what I'm, I'm it feels a bad like way of trying to put it across to, to, to the wrestling that the, the, the national promotions are pushing? Yeah, it just it doesn't even feel like it's in the t- same like the same year or it's just so different and I just really fear for them moving on. I understand why they do it because you know it, it happens to us all where you, you know you get somewhere you don't want to get too comfortable and you want to try the things and obviously the money aspect as well um, 
But I'm, I'll, it'll be really interesting to see what happens on that edition of the show, and I'll, I'll be checking it out for sure. But overall, the match was okay. It was just standard ECW stuff, really. Yeah, someone said in the Pro Wrestling Torch, I, I think the public enemy should just permanently face the Nasty Boys in ECW. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, we have to frame this by saying this is the kind of match that generally won't air on Hardcore TV. This is a match for the live fans. We've, we've got the, we've got the, the home video, so we're able to watch it. This is, not necessarily my cup of tea. It's a match that having seen a lot of these home videos, I've seen a lot of and I wasn't a massive fan of in the first place. It was, you know, if you've seen this kind of match before, you know what you're getting. That being said, the crowd loved it and it's the kind of match I think if you're there in person, you're really going to like. People go in the crowd, we get all these different kind of weapons, all that kind of stuff. And we talk about crowd having affinity with an act like with Sandman. They have a real affinity with the public enemy. I think there is this real perception that public enemy is one of these acts that wasn't just, didn't just kind of grow in ECW like your Benoit's, like your Guerrero's, all that kind of thing. There is a real sense that public enemy is a homegrown ECW act that, that, okay, from, from the brain of Paul Heyman, but took a couple of guys that weren't really much of anything and made them into something greater than some of their parts. And so there is a real affinity for these acts and they wanted to see them go out with a bang and they got that from a from a viewing perspective for someone that doesn't have that kind of affinity for either for them necessarily or for the match type it was fine it was it was your classic ecw brawl i don't think i should be negative on this match just because i necessarily didn't enjoy it because i think it was it was the perfect send-off for them that's i should also frame it like that that this match should not have been any different if you're going to send off the public enemy have a public enemy main event match against one of their bigger rivals of the last six or so months big tick in the box even though i, did, I didn't love it that i think that's probably the best way of summing it up um kieran your overall thoughts on this show and a score rating out of 10 yeah, like I said, um, it, it wasn't. The, it's not definitely not the worst ECW show. Definitely not the best. It's somewhere in between the high high spots. No matter, you know, it went on a bit long, but I did like Sabu and Stevie Richards. Um, um, I like the um, Scorpio uh, Whipwreck. I like the fact that they're pushing the <coughs> sorry, they're pushing the um, Raven and Dreamer feud forward. Um, I was really pleased to see that because, you know, I was worried that, that, like I said before, that was going to descend into sort of just going around in circles all the time. Um, overall, somewhere in between, probably five out of ten. Chris? Um, nothing was terrible on this match. It was uh, on this show, sorry. There wasn't a bad match, but in the same way, I don't think there was an excellent match. Um, I think in six months' time, the only things that will stick with me from House Party 1996 will be maybe that uh, segment with uh, Stevie, Bueller, Tommy and Raven where she announced she was pregnant. I think that's probably the most memorable thing on the show. Um, yeah, nothing blew me away, but I didn't think anything was awful either. Probably the other highlight for me was just, I, I think I'm a massive mark for Taz. I think he's sensational. Um, I'd give it maybe a five and a half out of ten. Got a five, five and a half. I'll go with a six to complete that trio. Yeah, a a more notable show for angles rather than matches. There was nothing great on this show, but I think it was quite a quite an enjoyable show. I mean, from that frantic opening twenty minutes with all that stuff going on to some yeah middling matches, but nothing horrendous. A lot of talking points. Um, you know, the, the, the Raven and, uh, and Dream a bit in the middle was, my god, that was memorable. And then a, again, I, I was quite high on Sabu and Richards as well. And a classic main event. 
Um, this is a good show. Again, Chris, I think you're probably right, but, but not every show, particularly for a live event, is going to be big memorable action, big memorable matches. In terms of the tools they had at their disposal, I think by and large they got it about right. Um, and yeah, good show. Would recommend watching it, but it, it's not great. I, I think our, our scores are about in the same ballpark, and I think that probably reflects the quality of the show. Anyway, we move on to the January the 15th TV. Next couple of weeks of TV are essentially just uh, bits of stuff we've already reviewed from House Party, but I will just jump through my notes. Uh, basically, they end up in... Because pl- Douglas... Douglas debuted at House Party before his debut on TV aired, but they end up implying it happened the other way around, because on TV it technically played out the other way around. So they end up saying that Douglas, now having returned, hooked up with Bubba Ray Dudley, and they then bought him out for this segment that we reviewed a few um, yeah, earlier on at House Party. All a bit weird. If you've seen both, it's a bit confusing, but I think they wanted a coherent story for TV, and given that they re-debuted him, they couldn't then have him debut again, or come back out again. Um, so anyway, we get that bit. Uh, Ray Mysterio does an interview in Spanish, along with Dancing with Dudley. After we run the Dreamer and Raymond segment, we get a promo from Dreamer saying he's going to be there for his kid. He goes to a motel room, Bueller is there, and that's how we go off the air. January 20 seconds opens up with Rob Van Dam's match against Axel Rotten. Joey Styles then mocks the new World Wrestling Federation attitude with, uh, and, well, it makes sense because in the last year they've had their fingers up their butts. Whatever that means. Uh, <laughs> we then get a rerun of Hack Miles and Towns and highlights of Sabu against Steve Richards. Style then mocks Steve Austin saying Sandman's title could not be bought for a million Dollars, or should I say ringmaster now. Uh, they then have one of their big kind of montage closing. Here's some notes I've got from that. Uh, quote from Bueller, now that I've been with Tommy, I know that he has a higher purpose that's bigger than yours. Uh, Blue Mini is eating food off of the floor. He feeds it to Stevie Richards. Uh, we get a shot of Francine with two black eyes and a neck brace. Perry Saturn, Pitbulls, you want to come to our house and take on our mother? You can pay $25 just like everyone else. Dreamer says Cactus has a higher purpose. He's being paid by Titan Towers and he wants to take Mikey with him. That's quite a nice mirror of the story from a few months ago. Douglas wants to tag with Dreamer against Mikey and Cactus. It's an uneasy alliance with conditions. Whoever gets a singles title first will give the other a shot at it. We then move on to January the 30th, Hardcore TV. Uh, this happened after the live event where Raven wins the title. Uh, and ECW essentially just tried to jam 45, like an entire night into 45 minutes worth of TV. Uh, so excuse this very long TV review. Uh, what I'm going to do is, um, I know Chris has seen this, I know Kieran hasn't, so I'm just going to rattle through everything that happens. It sounds like a lot, that's because they just jump around so much. Uh, we'll get to the bit right before Raven, uh, Raven and Sandman, and I'll ask Chris some sorted thoughts. Uh, we'll review the bit they show and the title change, and well, that's what we'll do, essentially. So, January the 30th brings us to the final hardcore TV of the month. We see a brief click of Hap Myers pinning Mr. Hughes. See Richard saying he and Blue Mini will be known as the Fabulous Ones. They then imitate the Fabulous Ones with the Fargo strut. We see two Cold Scorpio actually pinning someone. Cactus Jack calling Vincent Mann's ass a smorgasbord and that he's going to pucker up. The Headhunters and Steve Richards lamenting giving up Francine. Um, I got the Headhunters right there. Steve Richards lamenting giving up Francine and superkeying her. That's right, we see Headhunters winning a match. Uh, Richards is absolutely fantastic these days. He frees Francine some fluff, which is I think is some form of yogurt. Uh, Richards then asks her if she's pregnant. Well, the audio feed gets muted for a good four seconds, e.g. he calls her something quite vile. 
Uh, the Eliminators help Richards and Meany lay waste to the Pitbulls, who are supposed to be wrestling the Gangsters. 911 comes out and cleans house. We get another fight between Todd Gorton and Bill Alfonso. Taz comes out. 911 tries to choke slam Taz. The locker room empties and the tag team brawl is still going on. After 911 clears house again, Pitbull 1 pulls, puts New Jack on his shoulders and Pitbull 2 clotheslines him clean over the top rope in quite a brutal looking spot. Taz and 911 square off. Taz gets the upper hand. Believe it or not, there's a match actually going on. Francine breaks up the pin. Richards nails her with a lovely super kick. Francine has earned her money this month. Uh, Pitbull 2 gets hit with a chair and the Gangsters win. Absolute carnage. JT Smith cuts off Bubba Ray Dudley during his intro. This happens three times. Axel Rotten, who's JT Smith's tag team partner, keeps telling Bubba to give him another chance. Um, so Smith levels him. Bubba Ray does a lovely thing with his powerbomb where he struggles to pick, uh, pick up his opponent to the timing of the crowd going, but, 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 and then eventually he gets them up and the crowd haven't quite worked out. Shout then. Uh, he powerbombs him. Axel Rotten wants to know what's going on after the, after the, the, the segment and JT Low blows him. We see brief highlights from Rob Van Dam versus Sabu, which is supposedly very good. Hopefully we'll see that next month, including two absolutely ludicrous spots from Sabu from the top rope into the crowd. We move on to Dreamer and Douglas versus Whipwreck and Cactus Jack. The fans actually sing part of the song Hit the Road Jack before chanting Dean is dead. Douglas fights Mikey on the outside, gets hold of a chair, but Dreamer tells him to save the cactus. Mikey does a lovely somersault to the outside. We cut to Cactus Jack on the mic. He says he doesn't need a chair to fight Douglas. He wants to wrestle him. Dreamer grabs the torso of a dummy and hits Cactus with it. Jack is wearing a shirt that says WWFNW on the front, mocking the ECFNW shirt, and join the new generation on the back. Someone has actually bought a Nintendo console with them to this match that gets used as a weapon. Mikey DDT Dreamer onto it. We cut to Raven coming out and DDT and Dreamer. Raven sprays Dreamer, who DDT's partner Douglas, who stays alive by click- kicking out of a pin by Cactus. Cactus has dropped toe hold onto Douglas onto a chair, and that's enough for the win. We get a promo from Douglas. Man, it's good to have Shane Douglas back in ECW. Uh, Chris, um, I, I did my, I hope, I hope I did a reasonably good job of trying, we haven't even finished this show by the way, we're still going. Um, any thoughts on anything that I mentioned in the last few minutes? The absolute MVP of all of those highlights for me was Cactus Jack. I've heard his promos. I thought you were going to say me. Up. I thought you were going to say me. Uh, I'd have said, I'd have said you, Bob. Go, go, Chris, carry on. <laughs> well, but I, you did an excellent job and to anyone listening to this, they would not believe that all of that plus more, was crammed into 45 minutes. It was astounding. Uh, but Cactus Jack saying he was going to pucker up to Midsick Man, and that T-shirt he was wearing, just outstanding. Um, I actually feel like going back and watching a lot of Cactus Jack from 1995 should, and seeing... You should do, mate. Yeah, because I loved the, the few bits we saw of him within this <laughs> montage. Um, I mean, it was just a mile a minute. It was... Something to behold. I mean, fair play for them to tr- for trying it. It was very hard to follow. I, I don't think I could have made notes quite as in depth as you did. How often were you pausing? <laughs> but, uh, but a I, few times. A, a few times. Yeah. I mean, fortunately, like you can just scribble down stuff quickly as it's happening because you know it's, you, 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 the, the, all these things are so short you can just surmise them. But so many things happen. Um, yeah, quite the show. I, I, you know, January 30th, Hardcore TV, if you can find it, I'd probably recommend it just for, you know, th- th- this makes the first Nitro look slow. 
um, in terms of how to pace the television wrestling show. Anyway, here we go. We go on to the big bit. Uh, they don't add this match in full. They only add a bit of it. But dissension is teased between Salman and Woman. He's defending his ECW title against Raven and his new ballet, Kimona, I Wanna Layer. Come on, I want to lay you. Yes. This is this is this is the bar, boys. By the way, this is this is it. Uh, we cut away into the match. Sabu is beating Sabu. Uh, Sabu. Salman is beating the piss out of Raven with a cane and Richards and Meanie. Raven fights back. Dreamer comes out, starts laying waste to Raven, DDTing him. Cactus Jack comes out and DDTs Sandman, the status quo. The fight between Dreamer and Jack quite quickly involves Meanie and Douglas. Raven gets a near four on Sandman. Sandman misses his trademark awful leg drop. Raven pops up, DDTs him on the chair and becomes the new ECW heavyweight champion. Richards comes in to celebrate and Raven shoves him off. Raven cuts a promo. Beulah means nothing to him. We cut back to the ring. Sandman is recovering after the match. Woman is torn to him over his loss. Woman says it's great. He can come her, come with her. Nationwide TV. Big time money. Sandman goes off on one. Scorpio comes out and tries to calm him down. Scorpio wants the WCW money. Sandman says, you talk to me, you don't talk to the bitch. Yes. ECW's treatment of women a lot, a lot in this month. Uh, Salman rips Scorpio's shirt, but Scorpio still chooses him anyway. The pair hug, and Scorpio says, unlike Guerrero and Malenko, woman can leave by the back door, and don't let the door hit her on the back side. He carries her out, and Salman is left to drink in the plaudits of the fans, and a beer from Scorpio, who returns afterwards. Um, Kieran, we won't really discuss the match, uh, because we didn't see enough of it, uh, but what do you think about Raven as the new champion? Fantastic. Just get the belt off the other fella. He can, they can do what they want with Sandman now. I think now that that belt itself, because the, the belt seems less important with when it's around Sandman. I never, it's, I'm only thinking about it now actually, like literally just a second. I never really think about him having the belt. Do you know what I mean? He never, fe- I know he's sort of the character he's got, but he never feels like a champion. But I think Raven, I think it will start to make the belt more important. Then you you factor the belt in and possibly him going going up against Tommy Dreamer again. Plus with all the other stuff from the house party, um, and it's I think it's only going to be good things I think from here on out. Yeah, um, Raven is the best all round act in, in, in ECW. Possibly co- followed closely by the combination of Taz and Bill Alfonso, but they've not been together that long. Um, but yeah, if anyone is going to be able to credibly put some prestige on the ECW heavyweight title, I think it's him. Um, he can work good enough. Um, he is a name for outside guides. And I think, I think if anyone encapsulates what ECW is about, if you're trying to introduce ECW to a new group of fans, it's look at this guy that didn't get over in WCW because they gave him a crap gimmick. Look at this guy that didn't get over in WWF because they gave him a crap gimmick. Here's him doing something he wants to do, and by God, it works. I think that's a good angle for them trying to grow their fan base, is let's put a guy on top who has been in the big two, but in a way that was really crap, and then show fans what he can be. Um, Chris, I, I, I don't think you've probably got enough context to answer the question, but I I guess my question for you, Chris, as we wrap this show up, is I kind of got this impression having seen ECW for the last two and a half years, but this month in particular, and in part because we just saw a lot of finishes, but so many convoluted finishes. I, as, as someone new to ECW, what was your kind of perception of all that, and particularly this match? Just incredibly 
be confused because on a number of occasions, both on House Party and through Hardcore TV this month, there have been a number of ref bumps and then interference, but then on other occasions there's just interference with the referee watching. I, I have absolutely no concept of whether there are DQs or no DQs, or if there aren't, then why do there need to be ref bumps and things like that? I have absolutely no concept of consistency of rules or maybe there are no rules and that's fine, but they, like, coming into it, I didn't really have any clue whatsoever. Um, they don't really, they haven't really, as you say, I'm new, new, being new to it, they don't really, they're not grating on me yet. But you, you watching this for two and a half years, I can understand why they would be because I'm not a particular fan of it. And I think it will get to a stage where even their most hardcore fans will surely begin to be slightly burnt out by the really overdone finishes that are quite complex in a number of ways. Yeah, I mean, I, I mentioned earlier about the kind of thing that Joey Styles will be ribbing WCW about. This is the kind of thing you feel like Joey Styles will be ribbing WCW about, is a series of marquee slash big matches relative to the size of your promotion, all ending in just shitty finishes. Um, we we, ha- we ran a story, I don't remember what month it was last year, it was kind of first third of the year, with, with, with kind of a report attributed to Paul Heyman saying that he wanted ECW to become a, a promotion that didn't rely on, on convoluted finishes. Well, you know, he, he hasn't done that. Um, and I know I keep coming back to the Sabu Rob Van Dam match that allegedly is really good and that, um, that we'll probably see next month. That apparently had a, a finish with so much interference that Paul Heyman admitted privately afterwards that it didn't work. And it's like, you know, ECW isn't a promotion that needs to protect that many guys. If, if there's one promotion that can talk a guy and tell a story of a guy out of a loss, it's this lot and they keep doing it. I, I don't know. Um, I, I yeah, we will fi- we will finish up now. But I I really like the the the, the show closing angle with with uh, with Sam uh, Scorpio and woman. Um, really good, really effective. Uh, woman, uh, if you listen to WCW Party, you would have heard her, her, us reference her. The story at the time of recording isn't resolved yet. I imagine it will be in the next month. I suspect she's just going to end up in WCW. Uh, but it was an effective way out. And that will wrap up this month's show. I'd like to thank, firstly, Kieran Mitchell. Thank you very much, Kieran. Cheers, Bob. Thanks for having me again. Uh, Kieran, you are on Twitter. I am indeed at Jotun Thrush 666 And Chris White. Cheers, Bob. Thanks for having me again. Uh, I believe we're about to go and uh, tape a uh, an edition of your podcast after we drop off the air here. So pr- promote not only that show we're about to tape, but also where people can listen to it. Yeah, so we're on Saturday. This week we went to the Revolution Pro UK show. Uh, it was High Stakes 2016, um, and it was the farewell appearance of AJ Styles, and it but he was overshadowed on the night by a potential match of the year candidate. So we're going to talk about that. So if that's what you'd like to listen to that, you'll be able to find that on Podplex City, which you can find both on iTunes and SoundCloud. That's also on Twitter at Podplex City. Uh, Generally, we cover modern day WWE week to week. And we're talking about raw, big news stories and pay-per-view reviews. Yeah, I think we might have uh, might have some quite ill-informed Royal Rumble predictions as well. I've got I've got a couple of those lined up too. But yes, um, yeah, <laughs> I, I've also I've condensed down the end of show wrap up just because you, you, you've heard it all by now. Wrestling20RS.com, it's all on there. Volume one, WWF the Royal Rumble. Volume two, WCW Clash of Champions title change. Uh, this has been the ECW volume of the January 1996 edition of the Wrestling 20 Years Ago podcast. And until next time, goodbye. <laughs>